On today's episode, Shirley Malak joins us for a frank conversation about her time as a live radio performer for shows such as Lone Ranger and The Green Hornet. She also talks about her time growing up in Detroit and her newfound fame as people are rediscovering the old radio classics. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the episode. And we're back with the 15th episode of Checking In. And today we have a special guest with us. Uh, her name is Shirley Maylock. Maylock. I already got it wrong. She just told me what her name was. Or just already, Shirley. Or just, just Shirley. Shirley. Just Shirley. Um, and she's here to talk about her career as a voiceover artist on old-time radio shows, specifically The Lone Ranger. So we're glad to have you here. Yeah, welcome. Thank you. And we're glad to have you working yeah. at the library with us, too. Mm-hmm. That's how we met. Yes. Yeah, so um, what could you tell us about recording The Lone Ranger and... Uh, the media landscape back when you were doing it. Yeah, and you know, you'll be getting this from a child's point of view. You know, I didn't go in there like an adult. You would probably see different things than I did. How about, how old were you? I started when I was seven. Okay. Wow. Yeah. My son's six. I I can't imagine it. And it wasn't a voiceover. It was live. It was live. Okay. And um, at that time, there were a lot of really big, big shows coming out of Detroit at WXYZ. And everybody always thinks New York, Los Angeles, mm-hmm. but this this was a huge radio town, WXYZ. And they had the Lone Ranger, which was like the top program, I think, in the country. But I was also on the Green Hornet. And ah. there was another one, the Challenge of the Yukon. So whenever they needed a child, I was it, and mm-hmm. so my mom would take me down. We lived on the east side of Detroit, so we'd have to take the East Warren bus downtown and then take the Woodward streetcar to the Maccabees building, which is where we did the shows. That's where the studios were. So what year was this, like, was around it, the It was just post-depression. It was okay. like the early 30s, early mm-hmm. to mid-30s when I first started. And were you interested in it, or did your mom say... No. I think this is something like it it happened. um, I had a sister who was 10 years older, and she was kind of a stage sister. Mm -hmm. And because I'd be singing, and she, oh, that was great. So she would take me to these things to audition. And so I got on this program that was on every Sunday live. In with a live audience at the Broadway Capitol Theater, which is now the Detroit Opera House. Yeah. So I feel like I grew up in that building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I was on there. That was all all kids, and they had dramatic skits, and they had singing, and they had dancing, and you know, the theater was full of people. So mm-hmm. that's where I really started. And then we rehearsed at the Maccabees Building on Saturday afternoon. So on Saturday. One of the directors there came in and took me into another studio, and I didn't realize I was doing an audition. It was a AAA commercial, I remember. Oh. And kind of an interesting little aside, um, the microphones then were stationary in the ceiling, mm-hmm. and they came down. They were not adjustable in any way, so they were, of course, at adult level. Oh. So <laughs> they had this huge green lacquer box that I stood on for every show I did. 
because then I can be up Reach there. The yeah, <laughs> I could be heard on uh, along with the adults. And so evidently that went well. And from then on, you know, they talked you. to my parents, of course. Mm -hmm. um, when there was a kid's part in any show that they did, I got called. It was great. It was mm -hmm. great fun. Uh, the only downside that I found to it was being it. You know, they would I would get pointed at at school, like you know, she's, she's the one that's the voice. I hated that because, you know, you want to be like everybody else. Mm -hmm. But when I was having to go on the shows, my mom had to come and get me out of school. So obviously, mm -hmm. everyone knew. Yeah. yeah, and everyone was listening. So, yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What so. parts did you play on the Lone Ranger? Just kids, usually. Any kids? Yeah, boys or girls, because oh. the voices aren't that different. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was almost always in some kind of <laughs> scary situation where I had to be rescued. Oh, right. So I could cry on cue. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and, you know, just uh, it makes sense when you think about it mm -hmm. because, you know, where are they going to put a kid into a show with posses and mm -hmm. sheriffs and the Lone Ranger who had to always, of course, rescue someone. So it was usually that kind of thing. They have huge parts, maybe 10 or 12 lines, sometimes more. Mm -hmm. So, but it was, it was a fun, it was a fun childhood, really. It sounds fun. Can mm -hmm. you tell us a little bit about Detroit back then? I know you said you took this. Yes, Detroit had wonderful mass transit back then. Yeah. <laughs> I, remember, I remember reading about that in one of the books I had. I know. And it was a pretty big, like, I don't know, political play to get rid of the streetcars. Because the auto yeah. companies, you know, moved to Detroit, or oh, right. people were starting to buy more cars. Were like, well, we need space uh -huh. for the cars, mm -hmm. so the streetcars got to go. And then now it's 2019, and there's nothing. There's no way to get around. Well, there's sort of that IQ line is sort of back, but it's sort yeah. of not the same thing. Yeah, that's yeah. Sort of kind of ride to nowhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> oh yeah, it was great back then, and I was a DSR Detroit Street and Railway. Mm -hmm. And uh, you could get a bus anywhere, and then you could transfer. You know, it didn't cost you any more money. So, it, you know, you really didn't need a car. We didn't have a car. Mm -hmm. so. And you lived on the east side of Detroit? I did, near Cadu and Warren. Oh, okay. My grandma lived on Seneca. Okay, that was uh, more down in Indian Village yeah, area. Yeah, yeah. She was proud to live on the outskirts of Indian Village. <laughs> she was very <laughs> proud of that. <laughs> and she performed as well, but it was a much more niche audience one of her relatives or someone her father knew had a, a bar in his basement an illegal bar and she used to dance on the bar for like the prohibition era wow yeah, yeah. like part of the purple purple gang or yeah. something <laughs> never made it to radio though she was mm -hmm. in the basement <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, she was still performing yeah mm -hmm. yeah so how long have you? How long did you do this for? Until I, I started at seven, and I did it until I was sixteen. Okay. Wow. And uh, you know, I was growing up, and my voice changed much to the dissatisfaction of the director. And he said, "You know, you're not sounding seven anymore." I said, oh, well, "I'm sixteen. <laughs> I'm sixteen. Yeah. So I know the last thing I did was a Cheerios commercial. So mm -hmm. I did quite a few commercials too. Do you mm -hmm. remember any of your lines? No, no, <laughs> no, I really don't. Mm -hmm. And um, were all the shows live? Yes, that you did? yes, oh. they were. Uh, it was live at, you'll be interested in this, 
we broadcast live to this part of the country at 7 mm-hmm. to 7.30, it's a half-hour half program. Then we stayed and performed the same show again live at 10. Oh, you didn't 10:30. even re... You didn't just give the first... Re- put the first recording on at 10 each... There was no recording. Oh. That's probably why they had to do it live, because maybe yeah. they didn't have the technology to just record no, it and didn't. just push it out when You're they right. wanted to. No, they did not have it. And... Uh, it was for quite a while, you know, probably edging up towards the end of the 1930s when they finally started doing a recording, mm-hmm. having the technology to do it. So then we didn't have to stay, but I stayed a lot, and that was really late for a little kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we had to come home on the streetcar and the bus, mm-hmm. and so it was a very long, very long day. And for that, I got $10. $10. day. $10. Per, uh, yeah, that was for the two. Mm-hmm. For the two shows? Uh-huh, the two mm-hmm. sessions. And then they unionized. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was then the uh, AFRA, AFRA. Mm-hmm. Now it's AFTRA because we have television. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it jumped up. I was getting like $34. And seriously. Oh, that's a big jump. My oh. family was like feeling pretty rich. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think that's probably more than I made in my first job per day. Which is interesting. Do you remember? Yeah. I remember I made six dollars an hour my first job, and it was like part time. Yeah, that was minimum wage, and like I'd work like five, six hours a day, so I'd make thirty six dollars a day, yeah. and then taxes and stuff. But it's mm-hmm. like the inflation, like thirty four dollars, and that that time was probably like yeah, I don't even know how much it would be now with I inflation. I don't know either, but pretty big help for the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. I I know that around that time, my dad was making like seventy five dollars a week. Mm-hmm. Right. So figure I go and you do can make a it radio program yeah. and get thirty something. Yeah. So it was significant. Mm-hmm. Did it? Did you? Um, after the radio program, did you study radio, or did it make you think any differently about the performance industry? No, no, I don't think so. No. no, you know, and between being at the Broadway Capitol on the stage, and that was really a good experience. And then the radio. A lot of times, people get the idea that I must have been in awe of standing with the Lone Ranger, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I never thought of him as the Lone Ranger. He was another actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they had um, quite a nice cast. And you know, it was it was probably a pretty good time for actors in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Mostly male, a gun. Mm-hmm. Once in a while, there were females on the Lone Ranger, but you know, it was a guy kind of a guy show, really. They needed it. The females were getting saved, right? Always. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're doing something bad. Yeah. <laughs> so for the live shows, were they dressed up too no. for the audience, or was it just like perform, like and mostly just performance? Well, these are two totally different venues, mm-hmm. and um, the kids' show that I was on that was on on Sunday, uh, yes, you know, that was stage makeup and costumes mm-hmm. and all of that. When you're on the radio, you're, you're anonymous, and, yeah. you know, it's just us. It's just the cast, and I think about that with the podcast and the mm-hmm. comparing the two. Of course, live radio, once it's out there, it's out there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no taking it back. Yeah. And we had some bloopers. And, of course, through the podcast, you can alter it, uh, you know, if you want to. 
and I think live radio is scripted. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's really a different, there's a big difference. Yeah, the podcasts are much more free form and mm -hmm. fix it up later. Yeah. We don't yeah. tend to fix it. Uh, <laughs> no. No, we, we, we don't make any mistakes on this podcast. Yeah. That's, that's, what, that's why we're so good at this. Um, but yeah, yeah, because podcast, like, I mean, anybody with a computer now can just make a podcast. You don't need mm -hmm. any fancy equipment. Obviously, it's better if you have yes. good equipment. Yes. But, you know, if there's just a microphone and a good program, you can make a podcast mm -hmm. in your basement. Yeah. Like on your lunch break, if you were just... Yeah, I hadn't thought of that because, again, you would be very interested in, you know, they always had an engineer mm -hmm. uh, for the radio programs, and he had all kinds of equipment. And then um, the studio we were in wasn't really that big, but off to the side um, was the sound effects department, which is also always fascinating to people because it, it was just amazing what they did. They, right, the galloping horses they, and the... Yeah, well, they had gravel in a trough and plungers, <laughs> and that's what made the horses. Really? Mm -hmm. And if there was more than one horse, to... you had like three guys doing this. You <laughs> think about like the Monty Python, Monty Python with the coconuts with yeah. the horses, because <laughs> yeah. that's because they couldn't oh, afford yeah. horses for that movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, those, they still do that now for movies, like those Foley artists, like they always go back and like do the sounds that the microphone can't pick up, and they're mm -hmm. like, oh, let's figure out, pick up these weird mm, things right. and just make some sounds. I wonder how many times, how many things they tried before they got to plungers on gravel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, they did oh, that, beating their chests. Their chests and, uh, and then they would have a door that squeaked or didn't squeak, depending on, you know, it was, mm -hmm. it was really fun, for, you know, there as a kid, yeah. I was fascinated with that. And, uh, and they did such a good job. It came out fine. Mm -hmm. One of the highlights of my life, I think, was um, this was, again, in the era of Shirley Temple mm -hmm. and post-depression. And so, like this program I did at the Broadway Capitol, people were really happy seeing kids and seeing happiness. And mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so it was quite a big deal. And, of course, I love to go to the show and see Shirley Temple. Holy cow. So my mom read in a movie magazine that The Lone Ranger was Shirley Temple's favorite radio program. I thought, oh, oh my God. wow. Oh my God, she listens to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was significant as yeah. an eight or nine year old. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love Shirley Temple. And how long did you do The Lone Ranger for? Um, until the early 40s. Okay. Yeah, I was still in high school. Okay. Then I got interested in boys. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And I, I had outgrown it. Some of the yeah. the cast that worked there, really great people. Some of them went on to be well known, but uh, they urged me to go into like summer stock. Yeah, and I I was not interested. Not interested. No. Yeah, and I've never regretted that decision. Well, mm -hmm. that's good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You had the experience, and I did. And then you move on. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. so it's a good outlook. Yeah, so obviously you brought up the podcasting before, but do you think it's sort of interesting how we've sort of fallen back to that time or like where people are listening to more like audio performance and style things mm -hmm. and everything? Because I think it's pretty interesting. That's how, you know, you did it live and that's and it reached so many people. And now podcasts reach like so many people. I think it's like probably the top medium 
nowadays I think a lot of companies are starting to get yeah, invested in it and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just really interesting how everything seems to be cyclical. Not just me, but I'm, I'm sure for you, seeing it happen, having done it in earlier in your life and seeing it happen now, yeah, it's probably really interesting. Yes, and and you know back at you because uh, it must seem odd at your age to picture a family all sitting around listening to a radio, not looking at a television. And there was some real joy to that, I think, because we were all listening to the same story, mm-hmm. but we all had different pictures in our mind. Yeah. So there was, um, it awakened your imagination where TV, would, you know, nothing really. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to find a show, I mean, there's every show you could name now, but my family and I don't sit around and watch TV all together. My son will watch a TV show, or my husband and I will watch a TV show after he goes to bed, but um, there's not a ton of stuff that's entertaining for everybody. No, you're right. Mm-hmm. The Pixar movies are good, but um, yeah, it would be nice to all sit around and... Mm-hmm. So my husband and I There's, listen to the same podcast while we're folding laundry that's sometimes. The, that's, the million, <laughs> that's the million dollar idea. It's like a pod, like a family podcast show where you just all sit around and you could listen to it before yeah. bed or something. Well, they um, might be interested in just listening to old radio programs, mm-hmm. actually. I, oh, bet you, yeah. I bet you my There's son would get a kick out of that. that. Yeah. yeah. There's a huge audience. There's a, a I can't think of the, ty- the name of a group that they can they can give you any old radio show you want mm-hmm. to hear so i only have one i had a s- script another thing that they do they're usually collectors mm-hmm. and um so you know here i am at this age being asked for my autograph and mm-hmm. i'm like what <laughs> <laughs> but um i have an autograph book that is really worth something because my mom said, take it down, have have the men sign. Mm-hmm. And so I worked with two Lone Rangers. There was one prior to that, but Earl Grazer was the Lone Ranger that I worked with first. I really, really, really loved him. And he was killed in an auto accident on the way home from the studio. Oh, no. Yeah. And so then Brace Beamer, who had been the announcer, um you know, took over the role, but they, they had a segue kind of where he only had to say a few words, you know, trying to transition because that voice was so identifiable. Yeah. So he did, so he kept doing both. Like he kept doing like the, the narrator, or like the introduction, and then he went to do the Lone Ranger no, on the same they show. they got another. They got another. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, and he was just the Lone Ranger. And he looked the part more than, mm-hmm. than the other guy did. Yeah, but that sound was... The, did people recognize the sound of his voice? I'm sure they said something on the radio about him passing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like hearing yeah, somebody else know. do Kermit yeah. the Frog's voice after Jim Henson died. <laughs> I don't know if I ever heard the original voice. Maybe I did. But I think it's like one of those things where where someone takes over a role, like it becomes iconic. Usually, everyone that follows tries to like imitate that. Yeah. They don't try to make it their yeah. own because it's yeah. like it's not my character. Uh-huh. It's not my place to do that. It's like. You know, this is trying to fit this character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we talked. We were talking a little bit before we started recording about um, the resurgence in radio and the st- and the people you've met and the letters you've got. Can you 
tell us more about that? You were saying you'd been in yeah, parades I, I, and yeah, fan yeah. letters from... <laughs> I was, actually. Yes, because of this huge following that people are just all... Not all people, of course, but, you know, mm-hmm. there is a resurgence in the popularity. And I, I found out um, one of our librarians who knew my background email me and said they're going to have this program big letters you're going <laughs> it's <laughs> not a question <laughs> yeah all she saw was little ranger and she said we're going it was priscilla oh right. and um so i'm like oh you know so i'm going to go to this and i probably know more than they do mm-hmm. about all of this which absolutely was not true mm-hmm. <laughs> and um so we went it was at macomb college on Garfield and so we went to this I could not believe it I was like a celebrity there and this was the last thing I expected right didn't even want to be there and it was so much fun and I met so many grand people and when I realized their knowledge and how mm-hmm. little I had it, it was just amazing to me and so that's just kind of mushroomed on so I kind of hooked up with uh, Larry Zeb is his name. He's a consummate radio buff. And so we have done presentations, one at the mm-hmm. Woods. We did one at the Woods. Oh, nice. And um, in, in various libraries and uh, historic societies and all kinds of places. That's mm-hmm. synagogues. I mean, just, you know, because... Wow, we, you know, people so want it. Yeah, yeah, here we get these audiences. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was a great experience. So anyway, the parade <laughs> happened when I was asked to be in this parade. That was through Larry. Uh, Race Beaver had been born in Oxford. He's long gone, but they tout him every year and have this parade. Mm-hmm. And so they asked me if I'd be the like guest of honor. Mm-hmm. I was in a horse and buggy, and you were. <laughs> yeah, I was, and we were lining up, and I thought, "What am I doing? <laughs> what, what am I doing here?" And so the parade started, and I had this woman who was like something out of a western movie that was driving the horse. Mm-hmm. She said, "I hope the horse doesn't get skittish today." <laughs> said, me too. Me too. <laughs> and she said, "Be sure to wave to both sides of the street." And I'm like, oh, well, I'll tell you, we got there, and here are all these people. I turned into Miss America. <laughs> I was waving and smiling. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was so much fun, and people were just oh, wonderful. They had these yeah. mobs of people out there. I love parades. Uh, how, how long ago was this? Probably five years. Oh, okay. They're still having it every year, and have asked me to come back. But I had that once. Oh, yeah. yeah. Once was <laughs> Make it special. Yeah. 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 But it was great. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's all super interesting stuff. I like, you know, like the history of it, because I'm a history person, so that's what I went to school for before I went to library school, so just learning about all this stuff that I had no knowledge of is, is just really cool Yeah. to, like, do all that stuff, because obviously, like, you know, you, you know, you hear about the fireside chats for from FDR, yeah. but then you don't really go the step further. It's like, oh, that's probably what people did all the time, not just when the president spoke. It's like... 
that's the radio. Mm-hmm. That's how we reach the people. Mm-hmm. And you always knew that radio was big in Detroit um, because there was Motown and uh, a lot of notable radio DJs. Like we just read um, for the book club, Michael Zadorian is a local author and he grew up in Detroit in the 60s and 70s and wrote a book called Beautiful Music and he and the character in that book wants to be a DJ. My father one grew up in Detroit, wanted to be a radio DJ. Um, but I didn't know that it had such appeal even back before then. I didn't know that Detroit was like a big broadcaster like right. the coast. Yeah, you wouldn't. Yeah. You know. They don't. I think I think though it kind of does make sense cuz around that sure. time Detroit was probably still in like the top 5 cities for mm-hmm. population cuz it was pretty I think it's pretty booming in the country. It's pretty booming. I think then. Chicago yeah. may have just overpassed it for biggest city, mm-hmm. like third biggest city. But Detroit had a pretty big population. I think people, especially like our age, tend to forget that. Like mm-hmm. it was really like people, like they call it like the Paris of the West. Yeah, yeah. For the while, or the yes, the West. Mm-hmm. I know geography too. <laughs> <laughs> Historian and geography. Yeah. Wow. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like cool, like hear about the history of Detroit, just the history of radio, all that stuff. Super interesting, and to have the chance to talk to someone that like lived in it is really cool. I bet you're in a book somewhere and you don't even know it. Um, I think I am, and um, I went off track here a while ago when you asked me something, and I'm trying to think what it was because I didn't finish. I don't know. <laughs> Well, if you think of it. Yeah, if you think of it, we'll add it to the We'll notes. edit. We'll yeah, edit it, we'll right? Edit it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we could do we could do that now. Yeah. But yeah. That's good. Mhm. It was really it was really good having you on. Yeah, we appreciate you so com- much we for appreciate coming. You coming for having on. me. I've really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I think our listeners will be excited. And we mm-hmm. have a new um, we said it last time, but we have a new email address, mm-hmm. which is what? I think it's podcast at, at gross at podcast gross, at grosspointlibrary.org. If any questions, comments, suggestions, just email. Yeah, and we're lucky enough to work with Shirley two or three days a week. So four. if you four, four days. days a week. So if you have any questions for Shirley, we can relay those to her and answer mm-hmm. some questions about her time on the radio. Mm-hmm. So we'll be back after a short break. back for the second half of the episode which we will talk about the stuff that we've been up to the past couple weeks so annie what have you been doing um what have i been doing i've had a sick kid a kid that just started school so i've been doing a lot of laundry mm-hmm. and going to work and i've been reading a little bit i have a big stack of books that I want to get to, and I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten books on my fall reading list. Wow, that's a lot. That's it's not too much, but it's a lot. So, have you read? So, those are books that you want to read. Books that I want to read, not including like the five that I have on my <laughs> nightstand right now. Yeah, I can't. I don't know how people do that. Like, yeah. have that many books out at a time. Like, I just look at that, and be like, I get paralyzed by choice. Like Netflix, yeah. it's like, what am I reading? It's like, oh, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> It stresses me out um, when I when my holds or when my checked out um, items gets over thirty. I start to get stressed out. 
That, but below that's thirty. <laughs> that's a thirty. I can handle. Well, I got. Does that count? Kid kids books? books. Okay, that's movies. That's that's okay. I was like thirty books at a time is ambitious. No, yeah, <laughs> not no. Probably just like five books at a time. But um. Anyway, I've been reading um, because I can read it in little bits. Uh, this book of short stories called Someone Who Will Love You in All Your Damaged Glory by Raphael Bob Waxberg. He's writes for um, BoJack Ho- Horseman. Okay, yeah. On Netflix, and they're really funny. Speaking of BoJack, short speaking of BoJack Horseman, I actually watched the the latest season. Oh, really? Was it good? Yeah, I think the new season comes out end of this month or next month. But I'm always like behind on that show. So yeah. I started. I had like the day off or had some free time. I'm like, let me watch this. And I'm like, this is just, like just a really good show. Yeah. Like even though it's animated, it just really. I don't even, I almost feel like I talked about this the last time, but I don't remember. No, you were talking about a different animated show. Futurama. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, but this is a different anim- animated show. But it's really like, I don't know, slice of life yeah. type stuff. It just like, the animation's just like the way that it, it expresses itself. Because I'm pretty sure this show's like more real than most shows on TV, I think. Like yeah. some, of the, some of the stuff that they deal with on this show is is crazy. I felt like, that. Like, really, really deep. I felt that way about Tuca and Birdie, which is also a... Yeah, which unfortunately uh, got canceled. Yeah, that was a bummer. But yeah, but the BoJack Horseman is really good. If yeah. you can get past sort of, like, the animation and, like, the weird world building that they do, it's really good. It has, like, really good takes and on the current climate of everything that's going on and sort of, like, the character trying to be a better person and often not being able to do it but still trying anyway. Yeah. But it's just really good. His book is similar. It's absurd. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But he uses that absurdity to talk about things that are very normal and Mm -hmm. real to all of us. And, he okay, so this is a a one-sentence short story that I just really cracked me up. And Mm -hmm. it might be my dark side, so it might not be funny, but this is the whole short story. He had this really amazing party trick where sometimes he could go a full hour without even once being suddenly reminded of the paralyzing truth that his life was finite and unrepeatable. (laughs) And it cracks me up. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's stuff like that. That's definitely BoJack Horseman. (laughs) Very much. It encapsulates the essence of this person's uh, sense of humor. Philosophy. Yeah, yeah. But there's another um, story. If you've ever planned a wedding, you would probably enjoy. Uh, there's a story about a, a couple trying to get plan a small wedding, and everybody in their family has all these different ideas mm-hmm. for what you know. They'll be really upset if this doesn't happen at the wedding, but the things are ridiculous. Like um, instead of an engagement ring, everybody goes and buys like this huge plaster egg. Mm-hmm. Um, that you have to sacrifice goats at the wedding, mm. and but just like the absurd way that actual everybody people talk about, yeah, interfere with yes. your wedding plans. It's yeah. like, oh, you have to invite Uncle Stan to right. the wedding. It's like I don't <laughs> yeah. want to, Mom. Yes, but yeah. So I, I'm enjoying that, and it's good. Um, I won't say a bathroom reader because you please don't bring library books into the bathroom with you. But um, it's a book you can like pick up and um, put down. So if you're like. In a rush. In a slump or in mm-hmm. a rush. Yeah. Take it to the your doctor's appointments while you're in the waiting mm-hmm. room, that kind of thing. And then um, I'm reading a book called The Garden of the Evening Mists. I forget the um, I forget the author's name, 
um, but we'll post it later. And that is sort of, I think, will turn out to be a romantic tale about a woman who goes to this, she falls in love with the emperor of Japan's gardener. Mm-hmm. But she's from a different country in Japan. Um was not good to her country and so there's some conflict there anyway i'll get back to you sounds like she's from china next week about but. <laughs> um i'm like five pages in so i probably shouldn't have started talking about this it is a fiction mm-hmm. i think she's from malaysia malaysia okay. um, anyway so i'm reading that and i've been watching uh some gilmore girls mm-hmm. trying to background shows nudge the husband into Folding getting laundry yeah Watching Gilmore Girls. Oh my god, I've been doing so much laundry. Um, and what else have I been watching? Oh, I I checked out a bunch of rom-coms. I was feeling, as I often am, real rom-com-y. And I was looking up like lists on the internet of like the 50 classic rom-coms you have to watch. And I've seen mm-hmm. the majority of them. Mm-hmm. And one that I always pass over is 27 Dresses because it just looks so trite. And mm-hmm. I don't super enjoy Katherine Heigl. But it's on every list. And I didn't realize before that it had James Marsden in it. Which um, makes everything better, which right? makes everything better. So <laughs> I watched it and I really liked it. I mm-hmm. thought it was, you know, it was cute. It was... Mm-hmm. Um, Goes to show every, all the listeners out there, it's worth giving anything a shot. Yeah. Even if there's something in it that, or someone in it that you don't, don't like. Don't judge a movie by its lead actress. Mm-hmm. She was good in it. And That's it was, um, of course, like the premise was... Super, Wasn't you know, she's always like no the, brainer, never the always bride. a bridesmaid, oh, never yeah. bride. Yeah, that's the whole way to describe and the whole course, plot of the yeah, movie. I'm sure they got together in the end. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler, no, yeah. not spoilers, but no, it's not a spoiler that's at what all. Everybody watches that's what you're in it for. Yeah. It's like, why did they break up? No. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know. I haven't watched rom com in a while. I'm not against rom coms in general, but I just sometimes like the formula is so stale. I yeah. think, you know, even if it's something throws a wrench in it, I remember, like, Forgetting Sarah Marshall kind of was a good one because yeah. it sort of was a different take, I guess, mm-hmm. maybe because it was more centered on the guy yeah. than the girl. I don't know exactly what it was, but I think it was, just, it was just, like, a little bit funnier, a little bit more risque you know, with breakup. their humor yeah. and stuff, but it was really good. I liked 500 Days of Summer yep. also. I guess you could say that's, like, an anti-rom-com. Yeah, because they, like, they don't get together. They don't get together. We're past the, we're past the <laughs> yeah, statute limitations so, yeah. on that movie. But it's like, I mean, it's just a good movie because it's really, it's just like one of the only movies that I know that shows how like two people could view a relationship mm-hmm. completely different. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's exactly how relationship, some relationships are, especially yeah. if you've been broken up. It's like, oh, this is 100% true. Yeah, I see this. I'm trying to think of some, I tend to watch like 90s or early 2000s rom-coms or before, before, mm-hmm. um, because there's not a ton of modern ones that I love, but I did. Yeah. Oh, I really loved um, To All the Boys I Loved Before. On, um, Is that with Patrick Swayze? No. It's, oh, that's, oh, that's Too Wong Fu. It's a, that's yeah, a different one. Yeah, I love that too. <laughs> um, to All the Boys I Loved Before is based on a book. Oh, yeah. It's like By a YA novel. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. kind of felt weird watching it because it's definitely a teen rom-com, but it was so cute. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been meaning to read that book and watch that movie because yeah. I've heard, I've heard good things about it. Yeah, it just 
time. I'm like, I'll yeah. get to it eventually. And yeah. eventually typically means never right. at this point in my life. And then my husband's been watching Succession. That's on my list. I've heard very good things about this show. It's I think it started good, out like slow. I think people didn't know what kind of show it was going to be. They're like, is this drama? Is this comedy? Or is this satire? And I think after the first season ended, like people were like, oh, this is just satire. But like, it's yeah. really, that's the thing. I think with good satire, like you don't know it's satire. I don't know what it is. I mean, I've only been dipping in and out of episodes and it's pretty subtle. It, mm-hmm. It's almost like a soap opera in that you'll get caught up by the end of the episode if you've missed something, but it takes you at first you're like, what yeah. are they talking about? But I've heard it's really good because it's yeah. like, it's, it's like the production values make it look like a drama, like this high drama. But, like, the dialogue and, like, the characters are all, like, absolutely ridiculous people. And it's just funny. It's sort of like a satire on extremely wealthy people and the lives they live. And just the backstabbing and the the drive for power. Mm -hmm. Um, It's about a dad that owns a business. Yeah, it's a media empire. Multimedia empire and is... um, I think it's just the family struggling oh, yeah. for whoever's going to be in charge of the empire, yeah. which simple premise, but I think they make it, and obviously it's made interesting because everybody's been talking about that show yeah. lately. And it's enjoyable, it's enjoyable to watch something with like dramatic turns with tension that doesn't involve murder, you know, like mm-hmm. nobody's getting slashed up. They're definitely evil people, but... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, I haven't seen any violence yet. I have, I've only watched a couple episodes. I don't, it seems like a kind of show that wouldn't have violence, but it's one of those shows that it could come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It's like very violent, very abruptly. Yeah. But I don't think I don't think it does. It's the guy that made the show made Peep Show, which was like a British mm. comedy. Oh, really? Which was really good. That actually was actually was one of my favorite comedies because it's like a the premise of that show is like it's two roommates who live together, and it's first person. So whenever you're whenever you're with the one character, it's POV on that person and, oh, okay. and everything. And then like it switches to the other character, it's POV, and they have like interactions with each other and their friends and stuff. But it's really interesting. It has like their dialogue and like their inner monologue type thing oh, cool. stuff. So it's actually really cool. So after no after learning that, I'm like, oh, I can see how this is like a comedy. Yeah. Or, yeah. And everything. But yeah, if you like Succession, maybe give Peep Show a try. I will. I'm not sure exactly where you can find it. It might be on Hulu. It might be on Netflix. Maybe we have it. Maybe we have you it. You never do know. You never know. Look it up. But it's out there somewhere, and it's definitely worth the watch. Olivia Coleman's actually in it. It's actually, I think, one of her first oh. acting roles. Oh, okay. Um, but that's that's a good show. She's the one I liked from um, Fleabag, right? She was on Fleabag. She was the mom. The mom, yeah. Or the stepmom. I loved her. The stepmom. Yeah, she's the And she won the Oscar last year for The Favorite. Yes. Um... But she's she's just a really good actress. Like she can do it all. So it's always surprising to see how these characters, like these people, start out. You're like, oh, this person's on this yeah. peep show, sort yeah. of like interesting comedy. And then it's like, oh, this person's won an Oscar. Right. I always, whenever people talk about that, I always think of Jamie Foxx because he was just like such a uh, yeah such a like ridiculous like sketch comedy, mm-hmm. so goofy. And then he did Ray. Yeah, he also did Collateral that year, which is a really good movie. Yeah, and he got nominated for both movies. He's like one of like eight or nine people that were nominated for two awards, the same acting awards, yeah. the same night. But he did good. I never saw Ray. 
never saw oh, it. Oh, it was, he was I heard he did a really good it. job, but yeah. I just was like, I think Walk the Line came out the year before, and I'm like, I'm sick of these musical yeah, biopics right much. now. Yeah. Well, what about now? Because, um, well, I've heard, well, the thing is, I've, because I watched like some video essays on YouTube, and a lot of the thing is, is like, uh, did you ever see like that Dewey Cox, the satire? Mm-hmm. Like every walk mo- hard, walk hard. Like every movie is basic. Every musical biopic is just walk hard. Yeah, it's and then like after realizing that, I'm like, oh, this is like not interesting anymore. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I've sort of steered away from Bohemian Rhapsody mm-hmm. and all that stuff. I heard Rocket Man was actually different though. I did. So too. I might try to watch that because I know whatever his name is. His, his name's hard, like Tagon or Targon Egan. The guy that plays Elton John, he's, oh, he does okay. a really good job in that movie. He's in the Kingsman movies as well. I actually, I love Queen. I've read Freddie Mercury's um, uh, uh, biography, not autobiography. Like, adore the music, but I'm not interested in really watching Bohemian Rhapsody just because of a few of the things I've heard. Elton John, I've always thought that his music sounds like somebody karaoke <laughs> badly to like really good music. <laughs> oh, them fighting um, words for some listeners. I know, but that's what I think. <laughs> what yeah, but I'm interested in the movie because of the things I heard. So, mm-hmm. yeah, strange dichotomy for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway. but um, I've been watching a lot of New Girl still. Oh yeah, you're still on still it. still watching it. Like I said, it's a good background show. It's a good end of the day, right before bed. Just. Mm-hmm. Let's watch something funny that we've watched before and just enjoy just the last hour or two before we mm-hmm. go to bed type thing while we can do other stuff if we have to. Because usually my wife ends up doing paperwork and it's just a good show for her to watch in the background and not yeah. get distracted. Yeah. Which is the key for background shows. Because if it's too interesting, then you're just going to get sucked in. Sucked yeah. in. That's but, what happened. I was trying to write last night and my husband turned succession on and I was like, well... Yes, I'm laying down on the couch now. Yep. <clears throat> that's how that's how it works sometimes. And let's see, did I do? Any, I don't think I did anything else. Watching. Oh, I watched um, the Chef uh, Show Volume Two that just came out. I think it came out last week. That's uh, John Favreau's like cooking show. Oh yeah, you based were talking about his, the first volume. Based on his movie that he made, um, and it's really good. I like cooking shows. I like shows like that that do stuff like that. It's really cool. The food looks good, even though I probably wouldn't eat it. But no, are you picky eater? I'm very picky eater. Really? Yeah, I'm a tech. I like. I don't like texture. Like I'm a weird like oh, texture, yeah. flavor. Not so much a problem, but just like the texture. I'm like, I don't think this is. This doesn't. This doesn't sit well with me. So. I'm so like, what, what do you do when you travel? I don't travel. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have. I don't. I don't have That'll money. Fix it. I don't have money to travel. <laughs> Uh, but um, I guess if I did, I, I'd always find something. Yeah, yeah. But it's 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 okay for now. I'm fine. But yeah, and then I read um, I read the book called One of Us Is Lying. It's by Karen McManus. It's a YA book, sort of like a whodunit in like the Breakfast Club vein, but like sort of like a updated version of it. Oh, nice. Maybe not even so much that, but that's sort of like the hook that everybody meets in detention. Some kid dies, and it sets off a, oh, how'd he die? Who did it? Type thing. That sounds... So, that it was a me quick, in. It was a quick read. It was, it was good, though. I, I enjoyed it. It was really did fun. Did you know who did it? Um, no. I wasn't... Oh. That's one of those things I was thinking about it when I was reading it. There's this really interesting quote from the movie The Prestige about Michael Caine's character explaining magic, and it's like, people want to be fooled. Yeah. Like, even, like... 
they people want to think like like they want to figure stuff out, but when when the time comes to it, like they want to be fooled. Mm-hmm. They're like, this is cool. So I think reading that book, like I was like, oh, who did it? It's like at the end of the day, I was like, I don't, you know, more interested in this or. I was like subtly like oh I'm, I don't care anymore I'm just yeah. like, interested in the story. But I think that's true for a lot of things like people just kind of want to be fooled. So I think that's sort of cheap. If like you figure it out, it would just like cheapen the entire thing. If you were fit, trying to figure out, you wouldn't. I don't know. Reading it the wrong way, I would say is the wrong thing to say. But that's not why you should do something just to mm-hmm. figure something out. Often when we are watching um, something mysterious that we're supposed to figure out, my husband will be asking me questions and when I watch something or read something I I guess I have a little more faith in the creator to just like Mm -hmm. they're gonna take us there just let enjoy the ride instead of trying to that's like that's like that's one of those things if it's a tv show or a movie like the prestige like you watch it the first time to be fooled or to be like in awe then you like you watch it again and you're like oh let's see what pieces right. or breadcrumbs these, these, these people because yeah. I've watched The Prestige like four or five times and like every time I watch that movie I'm like ah good job guy mm-hmm. good job Christopher Nolan but but yeah especially like I heard like Westworld sort of like that it is but I oh god Westworld <laughs> I couldn't figure that out for the life of me my husband was listening to the uh, a podcast that a friend of his does who was given all these weird theories the podcast was longer than the episode each week. I remember that. I remember, like, Lost had those kind of things yeah, and, and stuff. I was like, you're crazy. You're <laughs> reading too much into it. And he was right. But <laughs> but who had their mind, satisfactorily, had their mind blown at the season finale? Mm-hmm. Me. Both season finales or just the first the one? Just the first one. I heard the first season was just, like, pretty epic. And then the second season was... A little bit of a letdown. The second season had beautiful episodes, but as a as a whole, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that. Did Christopher did. Nolan do that as well? His brother did. His brother, Jonathan right. I knew Nolan, there was a Nolan. Did, yeah, yeah, he did. That. And his wife. Right. I think it's his wife, or if it's his writing partner, but I do think it is his wife. Yeah. I'm not too sure. I do have those on my computer to watch. I just haven't gotten around to watching. They're them. Com- the third season is coming out, and I think it's next year um, it comes out. It, yeah, but they had the preview already, and it looks totally different. It's just a totally mm-hmm. different world. Well, actually, the actual set burned mm-hmm. down um, in the forest fires. Oh, yeah, I did hear that. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's why they're no. changing it up. I mean, just knowing a little bit about their show, the show definitely lends itself to a complete reworking, and it would make sense in the world. Yeah. Um, but obviously people get attached to certain characters and whatnot, so it's like, oh, this person's gone. It's like, what? What happened mm-hmm. to him? But then again, if someone's not there, they're like, they're going to show up at some point in the yeah. season. It's like, just wait for it. And then they might never show up, and everyone's like, well, this season, not very good. <laughs> but it is oh, what it is. Yeah. What else? Have you been reading uh, anything else? Not really. I still I still have that Color of Law book that I'm... Oh, yeah. I haven't really started You're it. Like, I think that. I, yeah, I'm like slow. I think, I don't know, maybe I'm just not in the nonfiction mood right now. So I started reading it, and I'm like... I don't know if I want to read this right now. So I read the uh, YA book, and that was quick. I might try to get back to it and this... see. But I think sometimes it's like, if you know, like I feel like I know enough about that that I'm like, I feel like I might just be re like relearning stuff that I already know. Mm-hmm. And that's always tough to like spend so much time on a book that 
you know a decent amount already. Yeah, um, but that's a good thing. It's a good time to mention that at the library you can, if no one else has it on hold, you can renew something six times. Is it six times? Is that, is that new? No. Is it always six times? Yeah. I think but, it's six times. I thought it was only three. Back check. I think it's six. Okay. Um, well, six. That's a long time. That's a long time. You keep a book like half a year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, I just checked out, I just got The Hate You Give um, oh, yeah. by Angie Thomas. It's a, it's a popular book. They made a movie, I think, last year about it. And that's another teen book that I want to read. My wife read it, and she said that was really good. And I want to read it. So I'll read that. Get back to everybody on that one. Yeah. It's just been a busy couple weeks. Yeah, busy, you know, with school starting. Yeah. Um, you know, all the kids, you know, doing all that and just sort of getting used to the change in scenery, I suppose. It's like, it's always, it always does feel different, like, before school and after school starting. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole library sort of changes a little bit. Oh, yeah. Even if it's not very obvious, you're like... Yeah, the culture of the library mm-hmm. sort of changes. It's yeah. not as bustling. Yeah, like, it's bustling at different times. Like, yes, in the summer, right. it'd be busier during the day when the kids were not at school and now it's like it's a little busier mm-hmm. after school especially at my branch but it's probably busy all around now especially with school picking up a lot more kids studying working on projects yeah we have a lot of studious stuff. kids central's right next to south mm-hmm. and if any parents are wondering what their kids do at the library they're honest to god studying um mm-hmm. i've never seen such studious teenagers i was certainly not doing that I was, I was not doing them. that after school. It's just different. It's just funny because we're not that... I guess we're kind of older than them by a lot. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> yeah. just, like, I guess because, like, they're the next generation. Like, yeah. like, you and I, like, there was definitely kids that did that when we were in school. But I feel like there was not a lot. I like the national Doritos Hon- and watching the Rosie O'Donnell like, show. <laughs> like, National Honor Society had, like, maybe, like, 50 kids in yeah. my grade. I'm sure, like everyone's in National Honor Society now or like it's over 50% now probably maybe yeah with just and I think it's you know it's more competitive they're all fighting for the same spots the same scholarship money all that stuff I also imagine the research probably a little more rigorous because we didn't have the internet when I was in high school or we uh, had it but nobody was using it for um, I think I did yeah I did and then college was different, but mm-hmm. it is different now, I think. Especially globalization hadn't hit education just yet. And I think now it really is. Like, there's so many international students now. They're not just competing with their classmates or, like, Michigan or the U.S. They're competing with everyone. Yeah. Especially for those same schools that they want to go to. I'm sure a lot of them want to go to Michigan or some of those top schools. And I think, you know, the only thing that will set them apart is maybe a GPA or a better score on a test. So it makes them very studious. Yeah. That's what their job is. I guess it's a job. Yeah, for sure. Well, is... good job, students. Mm-hmm. Nothing you're wrong with that. You're doing great. I love not having to tell you you're being too loud. <laughs> Goofing around in the library. <laughs> it's like you're being a little too quiet. Can you, yeah. can you breathe a little bit? <laughs> I know. Are you awake? <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, so it's another exciting, exciting school year. Fun times in Gross Point. Do you have anything coming up that you want to mention that well, you're doing or happening? Um, tomorrow, Friday the 20th, um, is National Palmia Day, Prisoners of War, Missing in Action. And so we're having veterans yoga, but you don't have to be a veteran to come. Um, 
if you just want to come to learn a little bit about beginner's yoga. Uh, Catherine Page from the Macomb County Vet Center is also a yoga instructor, and she's come for a couple different Mm -hmm. programs here before, and she does a great job, and you'll leave with, like, a little yoga buzz. Um, So that's tomorrow at Ewald at 11. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, what about you? I have my Smash Brothers tournament on Saturday, so if you want to come get some food, play some video games with... Some people of various skill levels will be doing that at the Woods Branch at 1. That sounds fun. Oh, um, I'll be at the Farmer's Market on Saturday as well until um, from 9 to noon, I think. Where's the Farmer's Market? It's on Kirchival in the park. Okay. Um, I'm going to ride the book bike. Is it an actual Farmer's Market or is it like a makeshift one? Uh, I don't know what you mean. It's an actual Farmer's Market. I mean, there's produce there, but there's also like candles and... Yeah, but it's an actual building. Or is it just no, like, it's like, just on like the street. street? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. On the street. Okay, cool. So I'll have the book bike out, and I'll put, I don't know, maybe. Put some... Cook some cook, fall, cook, cook some cozy... Cookbooks, maybe put some, like, uh, if you have any brewing books, like beer oh, that's type a good stuff. Idea. Barbecue. Uh, it's, uh, the barbecue season's ending, but I feel like... This time of year, it's still like the last hurrah for a barbecue. My husband got a good um, shorts beer the other night. Was it Soft Parade? corner store. No, I like Soft Parade, but this was a new one. It was a golden ale. and Was it like the summer solstice one? It had tonic water in it, too. So there wasn't very much alcohol in it. It was pretty good. Shorts isn't known for their, like, light beers, but this was Mm -hmm. on the lighter side. Yeah. I like Soft Parade a lot. Me, too. Some, but, uh, yeah. Beer is interesting, interesting right now. Probably has been for a while, but some of these brewers just need to calm down with some of their flavors <laughs> and their hops. I'm just like, okay, there's enough hops in this to I'm kill a done horse. Done with hops, yeah. Um, so this was actually the first short side and enjoyed it in a while because we used to live up north, mm-hmm. and everybody that was our age worked at Shorts um, Brewing Company because it was. They brewed it in Elk Rapids, where I lived, and um, wow. had their restaurant in Bel Air. Claim to fame. Yeah. So anybody's house that you go over to, if they worked at Shorts, they would just have a garage floor <laughs> full of Shorts wow. beer. And I Is that came, how they got paid? They just like, just, yeah. give me, just give me the beer. So <laughs> I don't they need money. They get paid <laughs> in low-fill bottles of beer. <laughs> give me a growler uh, every week yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, so I couldn't drink beer for a while after we moved back down here. I was just beard out. That Some of that beer, um, gourmet beer, whatever, microbrew is so heavy. It's like a meal. Some of it is, um, and some of it just is very, very um, alcohol intense. Yeah. There was a good, um, I don't know why we're <laughs> talking about beer. It's just free, it's just free will. And we started talking about the book bike yeah. and then that, but hey. I really like the marshmallow stout. Here's something. This is... This is cute. We used to go get our Christmas tree, um, chop down our Christmas mm-hmm. tree um, uh, when we lived up there, throw it on the car, and then go to Shorts and have a beer warm-up, and I would have their marshmallow stout. Interesting. Like a very that just sounds heavy right now. It sounds like it yeah. would be just like you have to chew it. Right. But in December, they, ha- they serve it with a little like burnt marshmallow over the top of it. Interesting. Super cozy, but I don't want to talk about winter anymore. I'm fine with that. But. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I guess my music pick of the week. Oh, yeah. Um, I picked a song by Marin Morris. It's called Once. 
and I didn't know she was a country artist. And okay. then I started thinking about it after listening to the song. I'm like, it has like a little bit of a country Who knows twang. what country is and nowadays? Like, that's the thing is I think people don't know. If they think country is just like Blake Shelton and mm-hmm. like super popular radio friendly artists. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like country, but then like the... Like Sturgill Sampson and then Marin right. Morris, I think Casey Musgraves. Yeah, I love like, Casey Musgraves. Fine. Like yeah. this is fine. So I really like this song a lot. So with that, we'll close it out with "Once" by Marin Morris, and we'll be back in a couple weeks. Darling, we, we were too gone to save. Couldn't get through the night, so we had to call it a day. Of your heart, I ain't saying what you want.